Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing a lot of things around gaming, such as Forza 7, WWE 2K18, PSVR, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Call of Duty World War 2, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Again. and what we are playing this week. Again. Yep. Is this a remaster of last week's podcast? Yeah, seems like all them shooters blurring. Ex- oh, this podcast is Xbox One X enhanced, <laughs> <laughs> world premiere, timed exclusive. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, it's too early in the morning for a timed exclusive. <laughs> True that. So, games editor Rishi Alwani is here, as you may have discovered. Greetings. And friend of the podcast, Mikhail Madnani is also here. Yes. And I'm your host, Pranay Parab. So, uh, to kick off this podcast on a very, very enthusiastic note, how about we talk about Forza Seven, Mike? I believe you've been playing it. How about we never talk about it again after <laughs> this podcast? Now, now. So, uh, so yeah, Forza Seven is the first mainline Forza. At least I've played after Forza Six, which I bought a digital code of and have regretted ever since. Uh, Turns out that game was really boring, and by the time I had bought it, the microtransactions had been patched in, which weren't there when reviewers had access and uh, around launch. Uh, the game really pissed me off, especially because Forza Horizon 2 is like one of my favorite games of all time. So I thought, how bad could it be buying a simulation racer with the same name? But yeah, it was really bad. Then they've been pushing Forza Motorsport 7, releasing lots of videos, giving exclusives to Digital Foundry, saying look how great it looks, and yeah, it does look good in certain situations. But uh, so the version uh, which is available today is uh, pretty damn bare bones, and uh, you might wonder why I'd be saying that because they've advertised 900 cars and the likes, but. Uh, When you actually get into a game, and when you actually get into the game and try going into a championship, almost every menu wants you to buy in-game items using either the in-game currency, and when the real money shop gets patched in, yes, it is coming using that. Uh, when you'd want to start a race, you have four options: start race, and usually there's a long load for this. So your start race option has a loading indicator on it. All three of the other options are getting you to buy DLC. One of them is. Uh, my garage now you'd think your garage would just have your own cars but no this has pages of pages of cars which are available for purchase yeah and uh, it's in in case you if you're wondering this is the case even on pc and uh, mike's playing it on the xbox one we actually got all three covered because pranay is playing it on the original xbox one yeah. i'm playing it on the xbox one s and you've played it on pc yeah and it's the same experience through and through though i do believe that pranay has had some uh, Lovely uh, uh, adventures with the menu and UI. Uh, I don't know. Is this PowerPoint or Forza Seven? Just, just before us. we get to that. So the same main menu to get into a race. Uh, one of the options is garage to like literally show you all the cars which you don't have, and lots of them have a DLC symbol which you need to buy. uh the dlc cars some of them have better rewards than the cars which you can unlock for free yeah that's a thing so i guess it seems that uh we were all waiting for the patch which microsoft releases that actually patches in the game because it's so bare bones in terms of content and it's quite disappointing if you go by the legacy of forza and what it's been we've seen this with forza 5 we've seen this with forza 4 we've even seen this with uh, 6 where you know at least uh the content wasn't well I mean, locked behind so much of a barrier. So uh, this is they tried doing something like this with Forza Four, and then Forza Five. A lot of people really liked. Then Forza Six was even better, at least at launch for a lot of simulation fans. But they ruined it eventually uh, by introducing the real money economy and like by forcing microtransactions. So 
so yeah like while you're waiting to actually start a race one of the options is to install mods or to equip mods these mods are in game consumables which are as the name suggests modifiers for the race the last option is to buy prize crates these are loot boxes which give you mods cosmetics and maybe cars depending on which loot crate you buy prize crate you buy and uh, now okay fine you you'd say why not just ignore these things i'd be like yeah that's what i wanted to do but after a few races and when you level up and you choose rewards to get currency uh, the commentator or narrator says hey it looks like you've earned quite a bit of currency why not invest into a prize crate they have mods cosmetics and more yeah this is actually a thing that happens in the game so that really yeah so just like a minor clarification here like you don't really need to have a lot of money even if you have maybe only 40000 credits he will still say that you can you okay. know buy a price crate and the minimum you uh, need is 30000 to buy a price crate then that's the basic one yeah. which will probably give, give you, you garbage yeah. yeah i mean a lot of this reeks of uh, the early days of uh, free to play in app purchase free games freemium games on uh, on mobile i mean the the way you guys and and that's how the experience has been for all three of us where uh, yeah i mean you this is not something you'd expect from a premium 60 dollar rupee 3999 rupee game you don't expect it from a game like this you expect this from something free you download off the app store or from or be it on android or ios and it's i don't know what's going on has 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 turned and fired people who actually know how to make games because this is like appalling really appalling it's it's not even that so there's a thing which has been in forza for a while which uh, see forza ultimate editions are usually 100 dollars they give you what's called a car pass and an expand uh, a car pass and vip membership uh, forza usually has three separate passes or expansion passes as they call it one will be for actual expansions which is never included in the ultimate edition which is always a separate purchase one of them is a vip pass which basically gives you better cars better earnings as you level up basically it just doubles whatever you get and the other one is a car pass which just gives you cars every now and then like i think it's a fixed number per month for a set number of months vip membership is permanent once you buy it you get access to vip specific at least in forza horizon 3 you get vip specific races double credits every time you do a wheel spin which is when you level up you actually get double the earnings so what they've done over here is uh, vip membership had the same description more or less but when people bought it and tried to use it they discovered it was consumable you have vi you can use your vip mods for 25 races that's it so it's yeah. now limited to 25 and most people who would play forza would be doing like easily more than a few hundred races in the life cycle of the game yeah i mean this is quite uh, similar to how fifa works its ultimate editions and icon editions in where you get a lone player every week for 20 weeks those are consumables over here over here it's just 25 consumables and uh, this was not mentioned in the store description so the store description started get, like the store page started getting a lot of negative reviews which made microsoft actually change it they still haven't announced anything they just changed the description to say it's consumable and when they started when people started asking forza creative director on twitter he said uh, you can use this in long races and uh, you'll earn more and i enjoy this because i like racing yeah so i did see that that was dan greenwald right yeah so it's a, it's an amusing state of affairs right because for one thing modifiers in a race were never meant to be consumables there was something you could just mess around with in the menus and the fact that they've turned this aspect into an iap into a consumable item is very is is disappointing to me it signals uh dark times ahead i think what's happened here is if you look at microsoft's first party lineup as a whole 
Uh, they've been introducing microtransactions into their first-party games since Halo 5, since Gears of War 4. And uh, to a large degree, they've been successful. But however, at the same time, for most of us, these flew, uh, a lot of these microtransactions flew under the radar simply because they never impacted the core gameplay and they weren't necessary for a lot of times. Uh, particularly Halo 5's rec system, which basically g gives you access to uh, consumables and, and one-time one use items and with the chance of getting, you know, cosmetic items for your Spartan. But then they weren't anything that actually influenced or impacted your enjoyment or experience of the game to a large degree. So yeah, for I, they got away with it before. But I think because they got away with it before, uh, they decided to go for the jugular with Forza 7. I think the problem is, like you said, it didn't make so much of a difference in Halo 5 and Gears 4. In Halo 5, it was just one multiplayer mode, which was a new mode. Everything else was untouched. Yes. The campaign played as it is. Nothing got affected by it. In Gears of War, it was only in multiplayer again, not in single player. Yes. Uh, Gears of War also, the Ultimate Edition actually rewarded you with a lot of this stuff. Uh, it didn't feel as scummy as it is over here. Here, every single mode has a thing which tells you to buy DLC or has a thing which tells you to buy... I mean, obviously, like, I, I've accepted it already that AAA gaming is going to get into this, but it's just interesting to see how some developers and publishers implemented versus others. If you look at NBA 2K18, which has been criticized recently about uh, microtransactions, it's still limited. Like, if you go to play now, you can just play now. There's no... Uh, you don't have stuff telling you to buy stuff over there. If you go to my career, yeah, expect a lot of it. Like, if you want to get a haircut, you need to spend in-game currency. But over here in Forza 7, it's there in literally everything. You cannot get into a race without having an option to equip mods or look at your garage, which just has pages of DLC or in-game purchases. I think I think it. what we're seeing here is, uh, I mean, it just begs the question, right? Why is Microsoft asking us to pay for the game? It just begs the question I straight mean, up. I, I'd want to ask them why they expect anyone to buy this on disc. I mean, uh, actually, here's one case where uh, buying it on disc and having downloaded 50 GB would have been better than buying it digitally because uh, while Microsoft does offer refunds, having a physical disc lets you just go and trade it back in when you discover the game is not what it seems. Yeah. And the worst part is the actual driving is really good. Yeah. They've improved a lot from Forza 6 in terms of accessibility. They've improved a lot in terms of visuals. I still think uh, the environments are really, really bland compared to what you'd see in any other racing game because uh, obviously they want to push for 60 FPS in a simulation racer and uh, like I've made fun of Forza 6 multiple times for looking like a PS3 game background wise. So, But you got to admit one other place where they really up the bar is the uh, weather. The weather effects are amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So uh, I'd say... Uh, if for the Forza franchise isn't dead by then, when Forza 8 shows up, they might actually have a game at 60 FPS which looks as good as Drive Club. More like Forza Hate, am I right? Oh yeah, now back to the most important thing. Uh, so even though no one really talks about the differences between the Xbox One and the Xbox One S, uh, I've experienced some uh, interface lag in Forza Horizon 3 on the Xbox One original versus the Xbox One S uh, when I got it for review. Uh, this is something which uh, a lot of people won't really pay attention to because it's just the menu. But in Forza 7, the Xbox One S has a lot of instances where the menu will stutter while doing transitions. And Pranay's experienced this almost throughout 
on the interface yeah so my experience overall has been like back to the days of windows 95 and that intel celeron processor what uh, you really have to wait a lot for every single thing so i tell you what in forza horizon 3 what happens is 90% of the time you are in that open world you're just exploring the whole horizon festival and you're building it and what not so you're moving from one race to another pretty seamlessly right so yeah. you're just driving from one point to another the only point when you really see those uh, lags and all show in are when uh, you actually fast travel so if you avoid fast traveling if you're just driving around it's a pretty seamless experience by and large okay? except for the initial load but then yeah. that happens in every open world game yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you look at Forza Seven, what happens is you go from race to race, and you basically fast travel at every point, right? Because you are uh, in one race, you are in somewhere in Germany. In the next race, you are in the circuit of Americas. And then Dubai and all. Yeah, so you just like fast travel all the time, right? It's not like you're going from America to Dubai in a car. So yeah. uh, because of that, what happens is you see this uh, in like lag at every single point. Now, what Mikhail mentioned, uh, which is that every time there's uh, like there's a next race button, it's covered with a loading indicator. So partly I feel that this is worse on the Xbox One uh because of you know obviously older hardware and what not and partly I feel that there may be like because of the practices we've seen I suspect that this may be a case of Microsoft deliberately slowing it down so that people have time to go check out the mods and buy things over there you know do those in-game transactions get those price grades I mean yeah because uh, it's I mean while this isn't as pronounced on PC In fact, it's not pronounced at all. The loading times are still pretty abysmal between races, and I do that's something I will agree on. Because this is the, though it's fast to boot up, it's super fast to boot up. It's super fast. Uh, within the navigating menus is also pretty responsive. It's the loading times are 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 just as long. And in fact, at least you guys don't have to deal with crashes. So like small small blessings. That and the console versions have split screen. Well, considering you know that a lot of first party Microsoft games. forgot what split screen gaming is that's also a nice thing but by and large it's pretty much abysmal i mean from a pc port standpoint the worst part is that it's a 100 gig download so yeah which basically means for a lot of people that's your entire uh, fup that's your entire data plan for the month so yeah and this is not including yeah. the massive updates that microsoft is inevitably going to push every single game of theirs has a lot of updates If it's not an update, it'll be something which they push something and then it'll corrupt your install. This has happened with people on Gears of War four and Forza Horizon three, and has now happened to Halo Wars two on Xbox One, where uh, you download a thirteen GB update and the game refuses to launch, and then it'll say something went wrong and you have to re-download forty eight GB with if you have the DLC and all. So yeah, I know people who have actually downloaded three hundred GB on the Windows ten store to have Gears of War to play the campaign. But the so, campaign is not even like that. I mean it's good and all but wow 300 gigs yeah because wow. it it keeps failing and it's a known issue also on a lot of uh, for a lot of people uh, even microsoft has this thing where it says sometimes the download might fail at 91 or 92% i mean come on you're wasting so much bandwidth and on the windows 10 store you can't even transfer installs across computers at least on xbox one i can do that or at least if it's a game on steam or origin or gog you can just give someone the install I guess what Mike, what the Xbox team needs to do is take a leaf out of Satya Nadella's book called Hit Refresh. <laughs> so, so yeah, like it, it's just uh, like when you watch all the videos, you're like, fine, let me try out. We're gonna experience a good game, looks really nice and all. Production value is insane, and then you start playing, and then you see, yes, it was all at this cost. 
Yeah, so to be fair, in none of the videos do they really show the menus and all much. Uh, what they show is the races, and all the races look exactly as they they are shown in the videos. Yeah. So you know, it's not like re- the racing is not fun. The racing is insanely fun. Um, only thing is that yeah, I mean, all the assorted mess around it is is just incredible. Like on the Xbox One, if you're playing it, then I would say don't buy it. This is definitely not worth it. Play Forza Horizon Three, get all the DLC, spend hundred one fifty dollars on that game. It's That'll actually be, less now. You can get. Uh, It's come down from I think hundred and thirty to about eighty for the base game and all the expansions. Yeah. Right now. There's a hot, hot, there's a Forza Horizon Three Hot Wheels pack available now. Yeah. Yeah, which we reviewed. That was that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, the was, Hot Wheels expansion yeah. was really good. Insane. I mean, that expansion itself at uh, I think it was a twenty dollar expansion yeah. is worth more than the hundred dollar Forza Seven Ultimate Edition. Yep. Yeah. So you know what? I've come to a stage where I actually don't mind all these expansion passes and those content updates because hey, you get something new, right? Yeah. But I'm really like annoyed with this whole price crate nonsense that they shove up your face every single time. You know, you you open the menu and whatnot. So yeah, at this point, there's really no shame in recommending an older game if it's a better game. Uh, just i mean no need to buy a new game just because it's out there and if you're really like in the mood for some simulation racing and what not uh, okay fine forza horizon 3 may not have the same level of uh, fine tuning and control that you get with forza 7 but you have a sim racing mode even in that you can just turn off I all think, the assist i think uh, like i wouldn't even recommend project cars 2 because uh, it doesn't really control too well on the game pad or a game controller it's really built for sticks like i mean it's built for steering wheels like using that as an actual thing so if you have that definitely get project cars too but uh, if you want something which is on a controller i'd say get forza 6 to be honest at this stage or honestly it, if you can hold off and chances are you probably have a ps4 wait for gt sport yeah wait see how that turns out like and yeah what is the scene with gran turismo i've never really played any gt game i played so. the first gran turismo on ps1 and that's one of my earliest memories of having a boring game on ps1 so yeah i'm not a fan rishi I played a lot of GT five. I played a lot of GT five, uh, and it was surprisingly competent. A lot mm. of fun back in the day. Then again, uh, that game was in development for so long, mm. and it was super polished when it was out. Same thing with this, right? It's been in dev for so long. Yeah. So, because uh, the thing is, that the, the the team behind it, Polyphony Digital, they actually have a track right behind their studio, and they even check each car out before programming the physics in and stuff. So, looking forward to it. But from a microtransaction standpoint, what we don't know yet. Okay. We'll know so in we previous in games. No, not too much. Okay. So cool. let's see how that pans out. And any uh, like, do we know anything about any sequel to Drive Club? Because that was That's that dead. game became Drive Club like, dead. Drive yeah. Club's studio, dead. The, the studio, studio is now at Codemasters. They worked on Dirt Four. Uh, they're going to be working on all the other stuff. Uh, Drive Club as an IP might not be dead, but Drive Club VR pretty much bombed because it dropped in price everywhere. No one really talks about it. Uh, Drive Club as a game, uh, I still hope at some point. Like I don't know, maybe don't call it Drive Club because Sony owns that name. Codemasters can like should do something with the talent they got from Evolution yeah. Studios. That While game it, became surprisingly decent as time went on, right? Yeah, yeah, at launch it was garbage. Like by the time if you get the season pass and everything, it's like really cheap now on PSN. Uh, really, really good. It's not a simulation game. I'd say it's more arcade sim than sim. Forza Seven yeah. is like much more sim than arcade. Uh, but. Yeah, drive. I yeah, like even drive club better than this. Like hmm. without without whatever. Yeah, well, so pretty disappointing considering that we were all quite excited about uh, for the seven. And it's the the worst part is you, your core gameplay is so good. The cars yeah. look so good. They sound so good. The tracks also look good. With the weather, it's amazing, as Rishi said. Yeah. But yeah, you just ruin everything before you get into it. So. Yep. Yeah, all it needed, according to me, was some commentary uh, during the race. 
you know like uh, or do you, you want people saying hey you're, you're playing really well in this race why, why not choose currency as a victory <laughs> thing over here clippy for commentator yeah. believe clippy for commentator <laughs> hey it seems like you're having a really good time all right some... anyway since we are like on this depressing note anyway why not uh, speak about wwe2k18 and all the nonsense microtransactions even in that game oh yeah so it seems to be the current scourge of the gaming scene right now where everyone seems to be embracing microtransactions in $60 games it's been and it's never been op- more apparent as it's been this year so joining the ranks of forza 7 and uh, well player unknowns battlegrounds team fortress 2 overwatch and everyone else is uh, wwe 2k18 with loot boxes uh and uh, that i think just got announced last night it did uh so the game is $60 or 3499 over here there's a deluxe edition uh, which is $30 more abroad i think over here it's either 499 or 5499 yep. uh with the season pass the season pass over the last 3 years has been giving less content each year and uh, this year uh, there's a mode called road to glory which is like an online my career mode and uh, yeah it has loot boxes now with uh, consumable items and yeah while this is uh, only limited to this mode uh, get ready for the full thing to be there in WWE 2K19 yeah but what's also interesting is uh, i mean you'd be surprised it's funny to see 2K go ahead and continue in this in this fashion because uh, with NBA 2K18 as mike said earlier you even had to use microtransactions to pay for a haircut yeah you need to use in game currency for yeah. that and Uh, if you actually go on uh, retailer stores like GameStop in the US and type NBA 2K18, the search results before the actual game is the virtual currency packs. Yeah. So you can buy like fifty thousand, you can buy hundred thousand, and like they uh, they go up to hundred and fifty dollars just for buying in-game currency, and those rank higher in the search results than the actual game. So yeah. So but any but then I think also this has to do with the fact that 2K knows it has a monopoly on. basketball and wrestling so it's obviously going to milk it until they see diminishing returns and who knows might be sooner than later we're already seeing uh, a similar trend with FIFA 18 where the sales are 25% down compared to last year now right now this is based on physical data we don't know if this is the case with digital as well uh, but i mean we won't be surprised to see uh, developers you know do a vault face on this because it, there obviously is a lot of uh, uh, backlash from consumers and uh, you know guys like us yeah i'm actually quite scared to see now what microsoft does with age of empires now that i've seen you know forza 7 uh, because you know they have i think age of empires 4 coming out sometime next year and there's also this age of empires remaster coming in uh, this month right so and, age yeah. of empires 4 is being done by relic right if i'm uh, not mistaken yes, yeah, yes. yes. Uh, if you look at the games which relic has worked on on steam uh, the dlc section is bigger than the description of the game yeah uh, This happens with a lot of games from Sega, the RTS and strategy games which they put out. They have a ton of DLC. Uh with Age of Empires Definitive Edition, well, uh, I haven't really played Age of Empires 1 when it launched, but when they do Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, I'm ready to pay $50 for a single-use Cobra car cheat in the game. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of That's fun. That's exactly what I was going to say. $25 for Volo yeah. Lolo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh I mean, it's yeah, so so that's one thing to keep in mind, but then I'm also worried about microtransactions in another Microsoft first party game called Scalebound. Oh. <laughs> wait. Transaction declined for that. I game. know, right? <laughs> 
But yeah, so WWE, well, we'll have a bit more on that uh, in the next podcast because we'll have actually played it by then. Yeah, we should be having preview access very soon. So stay tuned to the site and the podcast for All more. All right, so let's uh, get out, I mean, get something out of the way which really nobody really cares about, which is this virtual reality garbage. Uh, something ha- around PSVR and HTC Vive with the Fallout 4 bundle. Oh yeah, so basically there's a new PlayStation VR headset. Done. It's not called the PSVR 2. Okay. It's a revision with some obscene CUHZ something something. No, the number changed from 1 to 2, the model number. And uh, they took all the complaints about how people use headsets and HDR pass-through and have at least fixed that because now the stereo headset is integrated and the stereo headset or the headphones are integrated wired at wire-wise with the base headset. The base headset has a slightly different design as they've said and... uh, you don't need to disconnect the the processing unit of the VR headset when you want to use HDR on your TV in a game. It has passed through now, so you can leave it connected. You still need to have the headset off as far as I know. Though. Yes, that's true. But then, uh, yeah, it's uh, not exactly the wire-free revision we all wanted, but it's a step in the right direction. And it seems just like on cue to combat uh, Sony's latest maneuver was uh, HCC announcing that the Vive headset now comes with Fallout 4 VR-free. Now, is that supposed to make me not want to buy it or something? Well, I don't know. I the, mean, considering that Fallout 4 isn't going to be an Oculus anytime soon. <laughs> but the funny thing about Fallout 4 VR is, well, this at least is going to let people get the game for cheap because uh, Fallout 4 VR is a separate purchase. It's $60. Most likely is just the base game because last time I checked the Steam description, if I remember, it said uh, play the whole base experience of Fallout 4 in virtual reality and it was $60. So, yeah. I mean, see, I, I'm still pretty okay with this because uh, I, for a couple of reasons. One, you get to visit Diamond City in VR. Two, you get to you get a pet dog meat in VR. So, yeah, those are like two plus points in my book. Still petting, not worth $60. Petting dogs in VR is priceless. Uh, I'd honestly say, for, like having not experienced Skyrim VR or Fallout 4 VR, a Fallout 4 VR on PC is probably a better investment than Skyrim VR on PS4. Just going by how terrible Skyrim Special Edition ran on PS4 at launch. True, that's there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's so what's been happening in the VR space of late. Cool, I'm so glad this topic is out of the way. Anyway, let's talk about something actually exciting. That's Star Wars Battlefront 2 Beta. Pew, pew, lasers. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) by the time this podcast is up, uh, probably, I think October 4 is when uh, the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta begins. Uh, Unlike uh, 2015 Star Wars Battlefront, there is a single-player campaign. And no, you can't have a sliver of it in the beta. EA seems to be holding that back for the full release. Um, But what's interesting is uh, this time around, much like last time around, and much unlike another game like Destiny 2 and another game like Call of Duty World War 2, no platform gets preference. Everyone starts at the same time. So if you've pre-ordered the game uh, before September 30 or on September 30, you can check out the beta from October 4. And if you haven't, uh, like the rest of us, well, you can check out the game from October 6. The beta ends February on October 9. But what's fun this time around is that there are a host of game modes to check out. So there's a galactic assault mode, which is team-based objectives, giant-scale warfare. There's space combat, finally, as a separate mode this time around. And uh, there's an arcade mode, which uh, which lets you square off against AI. So there seems to be quite a bit in this beta. EA is calling it their biggest beta to date. Uh, they haven't said what the download size is going to be. But if we're, if we're to go by uh, the PC spec, expect around 15 gigs to download, which is not too bad, all things considered. Yeah, 
Yeah, man. Come on. Like, we've seen what's happened with Forza 7. So, 15 gigs is pretty yeah. reasonable. And uh, on top of that, there's even in-game events throughout the... Through the duration of the beta. So, it seems to be interesting. Uh, and yeah, a while in, the, in a past episode of the podcast, we did call out Battlefront 2 for having uh, microtransactions as well, which could impact gameplay in multiplayer. Uh... It will be interesting to see if these make uh, uh, make themselves seen in the beta, though we doubt that's going to be the case. If EA is smart, they're going to hold that back uh, until the final release. But yeah, that's one thing to look forward to uh, later this week. Yep, sure thing. Uh, Rishi, oh, you- also one more thing before we move on, just reminding everyone that uh, Battlefront 2 will not have a premium edition or a premium season pass. This is very important because... Uh, if you just want to buy the game, get access to the content and have no intention of buying loot boxes, yes, there are loot boxes over here. Uh, you don't need to worry about which region you buy the game from because all content will be added as patches. The only thing you have to spend money on is if you want to buy loot boxes for consumables, items and weapons and stuff. So, that yeah, it seems to be a very even-handed approach from EA. It seems to be. But then, like I said, right, we uh, earlier we've seen screenshots indicating that the game will have microtransactions that could upset the balance of gameplay. But let's see how this works out. It will, but then don't forget there's also a campaign mode. Which is the reason to pick it up, honestly. Yeah, so, and they said that future stuff will be added for free. There's not going to be any premium. The reason they've said this is because they had a lot of criticism for both Battlefront 1 and... Uh, Battlefield one. Yes. Because people who buy premium have access to different servers and slowly they move the majority of the servers to premium servers where only people who've bought the season pass get access to that fragmenting the already small community on some platforms. So this will keep the community all on a single platform on each platform, if that yeah. makes sense. But what's and in what and in the last piece of Star Wars news for the for the day, in a stroke of absolute trolling genius, uh digital distribution platform GOG decided to make uh, decided to bring multiplayer back to the original Star Wars Battlefront 2. So if you if like me you've played that game many eons ago when it was was cool and nice it's now time to get, go back and check it out because yeah Gog's letting you play the multiplayer in that game. Hmm. So yeah something to check out if you're an old timer like me. Yep. All right then. Uh moving on, I think we can talk about Call of Duty World War 2 since some people seem to care about it a lot. So yeah, but uh, Star Wars isn't the only shooter uh, that's of note this week. I think Mike's got some interesting takes on World War Two, <laughs> Call of Duty. Yeah, World War II. so Call of Duty World War Two releases first week of November, as has every Call of Duty in the last whatever. Uh, Raven Software, who did Modern Warfare Remaster on all platforms, has specifically talked about the PC beta because the PC beta is uh, very soon now. Uh, they've said that they think this is the Call of Duty where PC is going to be the place to play or they've said that PC is going to welcome Call of Duty and the like. Basically just implying that the version created for PC right now is really good. Uh, This has been the case every alternate year, I think. Uh, Black Ops was amazing on PC. But Infinite Warfare had issues because it had like... uh, What Activision usually does is on PC, they do P2P or peer-to-peer connections which the community doesn't like because that causes a lot of issues with lag and stuff like that. Uh, this year it looks like they're going to go the extra mile for PC, which is interesting for a lot of reasons. For one, Destiny 2 is not coming to Steam. It's on Battle.net. Activision has a separate tab now on Battle.net for their own games. So uh, I thought what they were going to do eventually is slowly cut down their stuff from Steam, move to Battle.net because they keep all the revenue over there. They don't have to give 30% to Valve and deal with Steam people. So 
this year it looks like they are going the extra mile because uh, call of duty traditionally doesn't sell really well on pc black ops 3 has an amazing community it still has a lot of people playing it and the others have just died down like uh, infinite warfare is just dead completely modern warfare remastered also dead in fact the original modern warfare probably has more people playing <coughs> it's interesting to see what happens with world war 2 because a few people who played the beta have uh, not been too kind to it so the fact that they're saying this probably implies that it has everything which PC players expect, 144Hz support, ultra widescreen support, resolution support, variable arbitrary support, stuff, the usual stuff, maybe hopefully dedicated servers. I don't know if they have dedicated servers this year, but uh, this could also be another thing where Activision just told the dev to say this so that maybe more people like give it a shot because I think PC sales don't even hit a million for Call of Duty. And you know what the irony is in all of this, right? Uh, one thing is from the content side, uh, the way Activision and uh, the, the the series is prime and World, Call of Duty World War II's primary developer Sledgehammer Games have been going on about how it's back to the roots. I mean, a lot of people also tend to forget that Call of Duty's roots were on PC. The first game, the second game were PC first and then other platforms later. So it's it's just amusing to say that this year, they say that this year will excel on PC. Uh, if you consider a franchise with this herit- with this much heritage and this much of longevity, you'd think they'd care a little more. But uh, yeah, it's just like, I think it's just a, it's, it just seems like an attempt to pander to the audiences. More so when you consider that, uh, I mean, PC, ga- uh, uh, PC gamers, much like gamers on any other platform, have a wealth of games to choose from. I mean, if you look at the entire release schedule for October and November, not counting indies, there's still a lot of good games to play. So I think it's just a question of ensuring that they have that share of voice. And it, will it, is it, are there really going to be tangible changes? Uh, honestly, in my opinion, unless it's a Call of Duty game made by Treyarch, uh, I wouldn't put much stock in it. And Treyarch's not working on this, so no. Maybe that's why they're doing this. They want people to move from Black Ops 3 to this. I mean, Black Ops 3 even got microtransactions added later just because the community was so active and Activision wanted some more cash from them. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the actual game, whatever they've shown, looks really good. But I don't know if it's going to take off on PC. Call of Duty and Battlefield now traditionally do better on consoles while they used to on PC. Communities just move to other stuff on PC like PUBG. Yeah, which actually brings us to the next topic. Hmm. Go on. I mean, PUBG, I mean, it's only a $30 game, right? That's really cheap. So that leaves room for more money making. Yeah. So, I mean, so what we've seen in PU, I mean, yeah, this seems to be the underlying thing with almost everything we've discussed today. There seems to be an element of greedy publishing. So, uh, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, well, as you know, is a $30 game or 9.99 rupees in India and uh, has microtransactions, which we covered in a previous episode. But what's amusing is the game has been subject to a lot of negative reviews in China. Reason being, players have been subject to ads within the game's lobby for a VPN. Now, this has a couple of repercussions. One, uh, does this mean we're going to start seeing in-game ads in PUBG? If so, uh, well, I don't think uh, it should be $30. Firstly, it should be, it should be free. Second thing is, uh, if... Uh, is that uh, why are there I mean you already have microtransactions right so what's going on here and while I do understand the appeal of all this considering that Bluehole the company behind PUBG is a is a Korean dev and Asian developers in general have been very good on the monetization and retention part of game design and game dev particularly on mobile but to see that spill over into into what what's built to be a triple A game 
uh, at least considering the way it's been promoted on on console you know with the partnership with microsoft and all that uh it's a little disturbing to see but uh yeah that's a thing but i think we also saw something else today where uh, pubg has an a tie up with wechat uh, oh sorry tencent previously it was uh, rumored that tencent was looking to buy out bluehole but uh, what rather what's happened is uh, there's probably going to be a tie up for china specific usage so there is also a possibility that you know people seeing ads in china is probably just uh, a glitch while they figure out how they want to bring the game to tencent's platforms yeah we'll just see how that pans out overall yeah so i think uh, finally we can move on to the most exciting part of this podcast which is the games we've been playing this week uh mike any weird games you want to talk about or is it just normal stuff this it's week it's just normal stuff so you all start this <laughs> okay then i'll go first uh, forza 7 has been like a real uh, like uh, emotional roller coaster for me i think i'm still recovering from the scars of uh, those loading screens and you know all the wait times and micro transactions in between the actual racing which i must say is quite a lot of fun hey if you're trying to recover from scars why don't you pay, purchase a price card i am going to throttle you seriously <laughs> can't tell if pranay is talking about you know his personal life or the game but do continue uh let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh overall not particularly happy with the uh, forza 7 mostly because of the load times i mean the micro transaction i can still like ignore but i'm really beginning to suspect that you know microsoft may have introduced some deliberate slowdowns in 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 between so that people can buy those stupid price gates and what not anyway moving on to games that are actually fun uh, really enjoying the witness on ipad i've uh, been playing that as well uh, we we discussed this last week and i still think that you know the game is so huge that i think an 800 rupee price point is really really low for it if you have an ipad you're playing this do get a controller because uh, looking around and moving is so much better uh, with a controller as compared to with the t- uh, touch controls where you have to pan all the time to look anywhere uh, but overall yeah the quality of puzzles is just insane sometimes there are literally no clues left for you all your like you're like really guessing and what happens is that some places like when you solve a puzzle if you get the solution wrong it actually deactivates that panel so you have to go back to the previous panel solve that puzzle again and then come back to the next one oh yeah i remember this and like for some of them where you get the solution by fluke or whatever when you go to the next one and you screwed up you're like ah yeah i have to go there again right yeah so i would seriously recommend that you get like a uh, you know keep your screenshotting tools handy uh, just screenshot every solution uh, every puzzle solution out there Uh, so that you know if if for example you forget what how you solved a previous puzzle then you don't have to suffer because of that and uh, yeah one c- crucial tip is that some puzzles will like, you will have no clues to solve them so what you need to do is if there is for example a transparent panel and look at the things in the background so there will be some rock or some building in the background and you'll have to move the like uh, move the line uh, in such a way that it bisects the building or maybe you know it goes through certain points or maybe it like surrounds the rock completely so just look for environmental clues like that and in some places even those will not work so for example there will be a place where um, you have like mirroring panels for example like a panel on the left and a panel on the right so on the uh, left it will be really easy to solve it because you know how to go about it but on the right even though you may try the same formula that you tried before it won't work because you're supposed to mirror it you're just supposed to look at the previous puzzle and solve it accordingly so you know lots of things like this and every puzzle like there's a new idea um i mean every set of puzzles there's some new idea or the other so the amount of time uh, jonathan blow has invested inside this game mind blowing like i'm just uh, seriously blown away by uh, like how much thought has gone into creating these puzzles and yes some people do criticize the witness uh, correctly 
saying that it takes out all the things that were fun in braid and replaces them with a lot of puzzles but it i mean i would suggest that you look at it as a totally different game and not compare it with braid because the experience is completely different what what the developer has gone for is totally different and for me it works i mean i'm with uh, i'm with mike on this one like i do agree that this is one of the greatest puzzle games of all time if you appreciate those then yeah you i mean i'm, I'm pretty sure you will like the witness i mean yeah that's actually a pretty interesting way of putting it that uh for people to ex- not to expect something like braid which is like amusing that people would expect it to be braid because they look so different yeah and it's amusing to see that 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 level of criticism will put against this game but uh, so i don't know but the way you described it for someone who isn't too keen on puzzle games it seems it seems like more like the walk through rather than the witness but okay you are going to need a guide when you play this game it's not just the puzzles there are audio logs and other hidden environmental puzzles like in in various places so you know after like uh, completing maybe around i think 8 to 10% of the game i went and checked out a walk through and i saw that there are so many collectibles in each area which i have totally missed audio logs i have missed i missed all of those as yeah. well when i finished it but uh, yeah the puzzle thing i think the con- a controller is needed because while over here you can double tap to move and tap to move and stuff like that some puzzles need you to be in like facing a certain way at a certain point so you can see the sun's reflection through leaves onto the puzzle and also i don't know how this is going to work out because those happened uh, after the first 20% of the game and i haven't reached there on the ipad yet while replaying so i don't know how that's going to work yeah i'm once again going to say the same thing get a controller with the ipad it it really will like uh, change the way you play this game for sure All right. Uh I think that's about all I have been playing. Uh, Rishi, what have you been playing? So I've been playing this game called Battle Chasers Night War. Uh it's a, a role-playing game from the makers of Darksiders. So what happened was after uh, Darksiders and Darksiders 2, uh the company behind that THQ went into bankruptcy. So uh the team behind that, uh Joe Madrera, Steve Madrera and a couple of others decided to form their own company called Airship Syndicate. Uh, they had a, a successful kickstarter and uh, the end, and after that they even got pub- they even decided to be published by THQ Nordic which is uh, another company not THQ and uh, the end result is a cool japanese uh, rpg inspired game called battle chasers which is based on a 90s comic by the same name uh, the fun thing is you don't have to have uh, you don't you, you don't have to read battle chasers to understand the game it's pretty much self explanatory what happens uh there's like very gorgeous art, art direction to me it's probably one of the most better looking games this year purely on the strength of art direction the gameplay is really nice because they are a lot it's not just uh taking inspiration from japanese rpgs like final fantasy and chrono trigger instead what they do is they've they've improved on a whole bunch of aspects you you, uh, you don't have to i mean you you get to know immediately what spell or attack your enemies are casting you get to know uh you as you keep attacking in the game with normal attacks you earn overcharge which you can use towards magic or special abilities so essentially because of these nice tweaks to the combat and core mechanics you end up using every ability you have which is very unlike other rpgs which tend to suffer from an ability bloat or feature bloat where there are a lot of things you don't end up using but here it's so well crafted the combat is so well polished that when you know an enemy you know when an enemy is going to cast a powerful attack so therefore you're going to use your defensive skills which rarely get used in other rpgs you and you, you you know when you're you know when you've got an excessive amount of mana through over through overcharge which doesn't carry over to the next 
combat, uh, next battle. So you're gonna end up wanting to use your special abilities instead of holding them back. So uh, in a way, it's really cool. You end up seeing a lot of what the game has to offer in terms of its mechanics. Uh, the game, the the game world is very varied. It takes place in a in an age where uh, cipher, where both uh, science and magic exist, and mana, uh, which is what powers most magic and science, is basically uh, uh, getting scarcer and scarcer. And it follows what starts off as a simple fetch quest ends up evolving into a pretty pretty good engrossing story. So yeah, that's what I've been I've been mainly playing that. Uh, and that and our reviews are already up on the site. You can check it out on gadgets360.com. Um, that aside, I've been playing a game which is under embargo, which will surprise a lot of people when it's out and when we can actually talk about it. Uh, yeah, so basically those two things. Cool. Ended on a secretive note. Mike? So, been playing mostly two games in addition to one embargoed game, which will be spoken about on the next podcast. Soon. <laughs> uh, one of them is Golf Story on Switch. Uh, Golf Story is a, a game from developers who no one had heard of until Nintendo showcased Golf Story in one of their Nintendo Direct presentations. Golf Story is a 2D RPG where golf is the main mechanic. So, what, your Tiger Woods? Yeah. So, basically... Uh, Wait, you really are Tiger Woods? So no. why would we call Tiger Woods RPG? No. So you yeah. start out uh, in the opening at least your kid whose dad is teaching him about golf and they're just playing together and all and then it just fast forwards a bit where uh, you get a call from what seems like your wife who's saying why haven't you done whatever whatever and then you're like because I was playing golf and <laughs> then she yells at you and then you're like you know what screw this I'm just going to go and play more golf and then you, you get back to this place you haven't been to since you were a child which was 20 years ago and start interacting with a lot of NPCs and uh, since this is a golf RPG you can literally tee off anywhere you can just drop a ball and then like just hit it anywhere and there are a ton of environmental puzzles where you just hit something you get rewarded for it or you talk to people and they're like you know I'm trying to hit this button over there can you help me and then you're like this sounds like a generic RPG quest why are you giving it to me (laughs) so wait uh, can I even use the golf club to you know hit no this is not retro city rampage or GTA disappointing yeah, so there's a lot of that. Uh, it looks really nice if you're into 16-bit era visuals. Just, I think I've only played about an hour and a half of the story because I've played three hours of the quick play, which is just golf mode. So really enjoying that. We'll see. So far, the humor is really good. Writing's really good. It is a little buggy with how the saving works. So I'd recommend if you get it, make sure you save a, you at least make sure you know where you are when you save because I lost about half an hour of progress thanks to a bug. So, yeah. Other than that, been playing this game on 3DS called Etrian Odyssey 5, which uh, is a dungeon first-person dungeon crawler where uh, the second screen or the lower screen on the 3DS is used for drawing the map. That's a major part of the game. So, in addition to it being one of the hardest games or hardest franchises ever in RPG history, uh, you need to draw with a stylus using the tools, the map, and then take it back to whoever gave you a quest. So, so quick question. Is this the uh, 3DS's version of Dark Souls? Because, you know, hardest game in history. Uh, Dark Souls is actually easier than Etrian Odyssey. So, Oh, no. It is. Oh, no. <laughs> it is because uh, so, people yeah. who play Dark Souls are like, usually they just get used to some pattern and then they go and finish that boss. It's not a big deal. Over here, you need to actually think when you play. So, Oh, no. Yeah, Mike basically, really you've been playing those two games. Uh, put some security guards outside your home. Because yeah, this the podcast Dark Souls is going to get the people, who, the people who like Dark Souls anyway don't leave the house. <laughs> this podcast and I say this as someone who owns five copies of Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is so going to get review bombed. Yeah, it is. 
yeah so all right then that's all we have for this episode of transition and we will see you again next week when we talk about certain embargoed games that these two have not been speaking about my precious <laughs> all right then and the music for this episode comes via magnus solai paulson whose album ppp ppp is where the tracks are from and if you like this episode don't forget to rate it on itunes you can also follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 and if you have any questions comments or feedback do write to us at podcast at gadgets360.com thank you so much for listening